Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. September 2nd. Can't believe it. We're in the last quarter of 2022. Damon and I have unplanned surgery to do today, so we are going to get a little earlier start than normal. So I'm going to bring you a good decision that you can make today. So we're going to make 30 good decisions. I hope something yesterday was good for you. Speakpipe.com slash Dr. Lee Warren if you want to let me know what good decisions you're making in September. But but for September, we're going to try to make a good decision every day. It can be the same one 30 times in a row, or it can be something different every day. Just follow a nudge from the Holy Spirit or make a decision and stick to it or, or whatever it is. But I want you to just get in the habit of stacking these little wins. It's good for your brain chemistry. It's good to say something and do it and follow through on it. It's good. All those things are good for you from a spiritual sense, a brain chemistry sense, a building reliability and trust with yourself and other people kind of sense that you're the person who does what they say. And in that context, Today, my good decision is going to be I'm going to commit to if God says it, I'm going to believe it. And in order to know what God says, I'm going to have to spend some time in the Word. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 11 is one of my theme verses for this month. If God says it, I'm going to believe it. God's words, friend, count for your life. They matter. They mean what they say, and they and he says what he means. And so today we're going to talk about the word. It's a flashback episode. It's a great and powerful conversation about what happens when you believe what God says. Change your brain to trust him no matter how hard it seems and start today. Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It's dark 30, man. It's uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning, pitch black. The moon is up shining over the river. It's just gorgeous, and I just love it out here on the river. I've been pulling on some threads, and this new book is, it's not a sequel to I've Seen the Interview, but in I've Seen the Interview, I told you that we survived losing a son, and that I learned how to doctor people with, with fatal diagnoses, and, and I learned how to find some solace and faith and hope again, even though the things that I thought I knew had been challenged, and even though I had doubts, and even, you know all of that, we talked about that, we did all those things. And this new book is the how. How do you, mechanically, how do you take big hit, the massive thing I call it, the big thing that comes in your life, all of us have it eventually. How do you take that and still move on, still carry on, still become strong again, still find hope and faith and happiness again? How do you do that? And it's self-brain surgery is how you do it. You Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can learn to rework how your brain works and you can make it, but there's a whole mechanical process of that that we're going to talk about in this new book. And so I've been pulling on some threads, and one of the things that I keep bumping into, and also I've got a friend right now who's who's stuck a little bit in something that he's going through, and it's almost like he's just digging his heels into demanding that it be the way it used to be, and it's just not going to happen that way. And so in order for him to move on and get happy again and find some peace and some some hope again, he's going to have to undig his heels, and he's going to have to accept some things that just aren't ever going to be the same again. And I'm saying that about him because I've lived it, and we're going to share some thoughts about that. And I've got a story that I want to tell you about that. But first, I want to share something from an old John Piper article that I found from years ago when he talked about um, a scripture from Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47 about what God's words do. And I just want to share this. So Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47 says this, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over to the Jordan, 
you're going over the Jordan to possess, Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47. He says, it is no empty word for you, but your very life. Today, we're going to look at how God's words, all of them, have the ability to give meaning and purpose to our lives and how we need to have them for all the things that we'll face, the massive things that we'll face in our lives and how we can rely on them when the massive thing happens and how sometimes God says, hey, you can't have that. You just can't have that. So what do we do when we can't have the thing we think we want? Do we trust God enough to give us the thing that we really need? And what do we do when it feels empty and void and dark and so hopeless? We need some words in there, and God always have them. He always has them. But we have to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith, and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery. To get it done, you can get the show notes and more at drleewarren.podbean.com. That's drleewarren.podbean.com, and if you like the show... Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Okay. Um, This John Piper article that I referenced, I don't know if you like John Piper or not. Um, I I used to read him all the time. I haven't read him in a while. He's had some political stuff that he said that's gotten him in trouble with the church and if you get out on Twitter and you, you follow the church and theology threads on Twitter, there's a lot of controversy about some of the things that he teaches and, and whatnot. So John Piper's one of those people that kind of controversial. But you know what? There's a there's a logical fallacy in saying that because a particular person said something that it can't be useful or valuable, and that's that's called an ad hominem argument in logic and debate. And ad hominem means to the man. So in other words, if you have, have a person who says something and you're debating or arguing them, like Paul, we see it in politics all the time. You know, candidate A says, well, I want to lower taxes for the middle class. And candidate B doesn't have a good argument to, to argue against that. So he says, hey, you shouldn't listen to this guy. He's a racist. Or you, you shouldn't listen to him because 10 years ago he did this. And so all of a sudden you're shifting the battlefield from the logic of the argument to the character of the person making the argument, and you, and you detract, distract from the words at hand, right? So anyway, I just say that as an aside to say I want to share some stuff from John Piper with you, and if you're one of those people that is involved in all of that controversy, you might say, well, I'm not going to listen to this because he's talking about John Piper. I'm not talking about John Piper. I'm sharing an article that he wrote really quickly that's important and it has some great points that I want to make and I don't want to plagiarize and just read it without telling you who it is. So anyway, let's don't do ad hominem. Let's just take these words from God as they are and I'm going to share this with you now and we're going to get back into our episode. Hey, John Piper says this, the word of God is not a trifle. It is a matter of life and death. 
If you treat the scriptures as a trifle, as empty words, then you forfeit life. Even our physical life depends on God's word because by his word we were created, Psalm 33, 6 and Hebrews eleven three, And he upholds the universe by the word of his power, Hebrews 1, 3. Our spiritual life begins by the word of God. James 1, 18 says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. You've been born again through the living and abiding word of God, 1 Peter 1, 23. Not only do we begin to live by God's word, But we also go on living by God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4 and Deuteronomy 8, 3. Listen, our physical life is created and upheld by the word of God. And our spiritual life is quickened and sustained by the word of God. How many stories could be gathered to bear witness to the life-giving power of the word of God? Indeed, the Bible is no empty word for you. It is your life. The foundation of all joy is life. Nothing is more fundamental than sheer existence, our creation, and our preservation. All this is owing to the word of God's power. By that same power, he has spoken in Scripture for the creation and sustenance of our spiritual life. Therefore, the Bible is no empty word. It is your very life, the kindling of your joy. That's from John Piper. Listen, Genesis 1 in the beginning, this is this is me again, Lee. In Genesis one, in the here's the first the way the Bible starts. What God chose to share with us about how everything starts. It starts in Genesis one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Now look down at verse 14. Then God said, let the lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. The point today, friend, when God says it, that's what's going to happen. Even cataclysmic universal things like the existence of light or separating light from the darkness or creating stars or making planets or making protons or making electrons and making your body. If God says it, that's what's going to happen. He says his word is no empty word, that it does not go out and return empty. He says it never goes out and returns empty. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, friend, I want you to see something clearly here. I want to tie something together. God is telling us that his word does what he says, and his word also tells us that Jesus is the word. Go to John 1 in the New Living Translation. In the beginning, the word with a capital W, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Listen, friend. Jesus, I want you to see this. We're in creation, day one, and God says, let there be light. The word created it. That means Jesus made photons. Jesus created light. Jesus made that stuff. John says, nothing was made except through him and by him everything that was made 
has been made. Jesus made stuff because he is the word of God. And that sounds crazy to our limited minds, but this is a quantum God that we're dealing with. This is the quantum physics where things that are impossible are actually real. Jesus made everything. He was doing, he was the doing part of God's saying, let there be. And if you're feeling dark, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling hopeless, it's because you need more word. You need more Jesus. You need more of his light. Sometimes we dig our heels into something that we think we want or something we think is a requirement to make us happy. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. I was in a meeting one time and I was on a board of directors back in Wyoming. And we, we'd gone through a bunch of organizational changes and our hospital had acquired another hospital and merged two medical staffs. And, and I mean, it was a big, kind of a big mess, really, organizationally. I think it was the beginning of the end of that hospital as we know it, which is why it ended up being acquired by a bigger corporation. But nevertheless, at the time, it seemed like the right thing to do, and everybody was trying to do the best thing for the community and the hospital and all of that, and we bought this other hospital. And in the process of doing that, it changed the way a lot of service lines, a lot of different types of doctors and, and, and businesses interacted with the hospitals. And frankly, it changed the the economics and the business aspects of several private groups of physicians' practices because the hospital had a different business model now, a, d- a different agenda. And so we had this meeting where this group of physicians who had been impacted in their mind negatively by this merger or this acquisition, and, and basically they were they were throwing a big fit. And the hospital CEO and the board were trying to make it work for everybody. So it's like, okay, I'm sorry this this is impacting your business in one way, but the whole community's benefiting and here's how it can benefit you and here's the plan and here's how you can end up better off than you were before and all these things. And this one guy, this one physician who was kind of the head of this other group, basically said no. Like, we're not going to participate. We are not moving forward under these terms. We're just not going to do it. I mean, even at the threat of them having to be replaced by another group of doctors, he just was going to not do it. And I'll never forget, the CEO looked at him and said, "What, what can we do to try to make you happy where we can all move forward and work together. What can we do? How, what, what can we give you that will make it work for you? And he looked her in the eye and he actually said, unwind it all. I want you to go back to this particular date before all this stuff started and I want you to put everything back exactly like it was because that worked for us. And we won't accept any terms other than those. And so basically what, what he was effectively saying, I don't think he could zoom out enough of his own life to see it, but what he was effectively saying is go back and cancel the transaction. Don't buy the hospital. You know, let all these other people lose their jobs because their hospital was on the brink of failure and they were about to go out of business. And so those 200 people were going to become unemployed. And go back and unwind that. Don't buy it. Let them fail so we can keep our business the way it has been and and undo all of it. And let me go back to the way it was eight months ago. That's pretty much what he was saying. And, and and the bottom line is that was impossible. It was not possible to give him what he thought he needed to make him happy. There just wasn't a possible way that that could ever happen in the world. And you know what? We do that stuff all the time. I can tell you, 
Every time I beg God to wake me up from this eight-year-old recurring dream and give me my son back, he says, you can't have that. I can't give you that. You can't go back in time and have it not be true that Mitch died. You, you can still have all these other beautiful things and this amazing abundant life that I'm giving you, but you can't have that. You know, when you have a toddler or puppies, as we've seen with Harvey and Lewis, sometimes they get fixated on something that they can't have. They, they, they insist on opening that cabinet to get the bottle of, you know, household cleaner that they just think they have to drink in order to be happy instead of the thousand toys that you have in their toy box for them. Or that they find, my puppy will find a pill bottle full of medicine that will hurt him if he eats it and he just won't be satisfied. He, I can give him 25 bones and 47 treats and he's going to go back and try to find that bottle that he wants to chew on again, right? And sometimes as a parent or as a dog owner, sometimes you just have to take it away from them and say, hey, Lee, hey, Harvey, hey, Lewis, hey, infant, hey, doctor, you can't have that. You can't have it. So just you need to change your mind right now. You cannot have it anymore. I have a friend who kind of struggled in his life for a while to figure out what direction he wanted to go in. And he was feeling kind of purposeless. And then he found something. He found a career that, that gave him meaning and purpose. And he went to school and he did a good job and it became a thing that, that he was good at. And he found a great job. And then COVID-19 happened. And the whole industry that he worked in basically shut down and everybody got laid off and he can't find a job in that industry right now. It's just not possible. It, it, the, the place and time and industry and setting in which he was finally happy no longer exists. It's just gone. And he's sort of stuck. He's digging his heels in. I want it the way it was back then. And at some point, he's going to have to say, you know what? I can't have that. If I want to be happy today, I can't keep insisting that things be like they were yesterday because yesterday is gone and I can't get it back. I can't, I don't have control over it, right? So if you want to have an abundant life, God is saying, you can't have that, but you can have all of this. There are two passages, Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 28. They always seem kind of parallel to me on a negative and positive side. Deuteronomy 6, they're about to go into the promised land, and and it starts at uh, chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then down in verse 10, he says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land... You will have a land large with flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you are eat, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. So here's, he's putting out this, this promise to the people. He's basically saying, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of good stuff. I'm going to give you stuff you didn't even earn. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you opportunity. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and Honey, all I ask of you is that you obey me and trust me enough that I want to give you all these good things, right? God is putting that out there for them. But then over in Deuteronomy 28, not very much later, he's having to tell the people, remind them, however, if you don't obey the Lord your God and don't carefully follow my commands, 
then all these curses are going to come on you and will overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And that's the, that's the happy part of that chapter. It goes on to just describe all these horrible things that are going to happen if people don't get the word of God right and keep it close to their heart. He's basically saying you can have everything if you follow me and you can have nothing if you don't. You can have infinite blessing and abundance if you follow me and you can have infinite misery. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out if you don't. So the, 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 the bottom line here is if your life is feeling dark and hopeless and you're not feeling blessed and you're not feeling abundant and you can't figure out why nothing seems to be working and you feel powerless to change anything, then maybe... You need to remember that God's word does not go out and return empty. Maybe you're focusing on the wrong, wrong words. Maybe you need to pick some better words. And what in the world am I talking about with all this stuff about words? Here it is. This is where we tie the neuroscience back in today, okay? Almost all the words that our brains play like a recording in our heads all the time are lies. Almost all the negative stuff that you hear, when you, when you just get quiet and still, most of the time what you hear is negative. You know, this situation is never going to be okay. I don't feel very good. Nobody respects me. I, you know, my the, the economy is crap and I'm never going to find a job again. And I'm just, I'm just hosed. And it's always going to be that way. And my wife's giving me a hard time and, and my parents don't respect me. And, you know, th- th- that's what your brain tells you. Why does it tell you that? Because C.S. Lewis one time in, in the book after his wife died, um, he wrote um, about grief, a grief observed. He said, nobody told me I'm paraphrasing this and I'll have it in front of me, but here's what he says. Nobody told me that grief felt so much like fear. Why am I bringing that up? Nobody told me that grief felt so much like fear. Here's why I brought it up. Your brain has a very limited palette of emotional responses to the things that happen in your life. And because of that, there's only so many chemicals, only so many different ways that your brain can process things like whether you have a physical injury like breaking your arm or burning your hand or an emotional one like your wife dying or your son dying or you're losing your job or you have an economic stress, those, those different stimuli produce similar chemical responses. And so that means the way that you feel sometimes in response to one thing feels very similar to how you feel in response to another thing. And if you're not careful, you'll think that the event that's occurring now is making something happen in your real world that is not actually true. There's a t-shirt I saw the other day, and I can't remember where I saw it, but but it said, thoughts become things. And that's true, and it's very dangerous for you if you're not careful. Thoughts become things. These negative thoughts, these, these negative words that our brains play like a recording in our heads all the time will turn into real things in your life if you respond to them inappropriately. Here's a good example. You feel like... Let's say you had this, all this good stuff going on and then you got married and all of a sudden you had to, you had to move or you had to get a new place or somebody had a baby or you know, you, you had, you, your life changed because you decided to get married. And then COVID-19 happened and all of a sudden you're in a new place and you somehow in your brain tie this pain that you're feeling over being stuck to the fact that you got married. Your brain will tell you, well, it's all her fault. You know, I did this because of her, and now I'm in this situation and everything's stuck. And the reality is it's not her fault. 
there's all kinds of amazing, abundant blessings that you have because of her and because of this new life that you have. But you're stuck economically or professionally because something else happened. But you, you let that negative neurochemistry tie something together in your brain that's not real. And now you start treating her out of that feeling and that thought all of a sudden becomes a thing and now you've got a problem in your marriage because you're assigning blame. You're labeling her as the responsible party in what really happened and the fact is it wasn't actually her. It was COVID-19. It was the economy. It was whatever, right? So you, you just let a thought become a thing instead of understanding that your thoughts aren't usually true. We have this baseline negative thought process that runs constantly when we let our minds be idle, and so we need to have our minds be active. Maybe we dig our heels in and say, hey, I want it all back the way it used to be. And God's saying, hey, you can't have that. And this becomes a belief test because when we demand and God says no, then we have to remember Romans eight twenty eight and decide if we believe it or not. This happened to me after Mitch died. Like I said, I want my son back. And God said, you can't have that. And he also said, but Romans eight twenty eight tells you that everything can work out in a way that's good for you eventually. And I said, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, here's what it says. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So the question is, friend, today, do you believe it? If we're not sure if you believe it anymore or you're not sure if you've ever believed it, then maybe it's time to try some better words on for size. Dr. Phil is famous for saying, how's that working for you? When people are doing the same things over and over and they're just not getting anywhere, he says, how's, how's that working for you? Like, just examine for a second the results that you're getting and then back up to understand the the, the way you're behaving and see if those results are good for you or not and if not then maybe you just need to change the behavior and the results will change when you got your heels dug in though like my friend at that meeting that was like i just want you to undo it all and give me back the way it used to be when it's not working the secret is you can't wait for everyone else to change for every circumstance to change before you can be happy because guess what they won't change usually and the circumstance won't change usually and even if they do, or it does, you'll just change the target because then you'll make this, this thought become a thing that, that you'll decide and reinforce in your mind the idea that your happiness depends on someone or something else doing something other than you and not just you and your place in God's arms and in his purposes for your life. Now, look, I know you trust me or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. I know you do. So hear me now. And, and understand, I'm not coming from a place of having mastered all this, right? I'm still, I'm still the guy on his knees begging for something to be different. Now, I want my son to be back, and I'm really hoping this is just a really bad dream that I've been having for eight years. So I'm, I'm with you. But just trust me. Hear me now. God's word is no empty word for you. It is everything. It's the only hope you have of this being okay. Your brain, left to its own devices, will have you sit and boil in a toxic stew of harmful neurochemicals that will convince you that it's never going to be better, it's never going to be okay, but that's a lie. And the people who listen to that lie are the ones that put bullets in their head, are the ones who drink themselves into oblivion, the ones who eat themselves into oblivion or spin themselves into oblivion, trying to numb it and make it go away and not think about it. It's a lie, though, because God speaks life. He does not speak darkness. He speaks life, and his word doesn't return empty. Remember Genesis 1.14, God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night, and that is what happened. 
When God says it, friend, that's what's going to happen. You want to start feeling better? Let the light in. Change the words you're listening to from the automatically negative ones to the ones that never return empty. God's word is no empty word for you, friend, and it's time to believe it. It's time to live in it, and it's time to start today. Your word will be the last word. Your promises will stand forevermore. Man's thoughts and all his plans will come to an end. But your word will be the last word. Your word says I'm forgiven. Your covenant says you will always be with me. And though some may scar and ride me off, your Dark as night Though troubles come and go In my heart I'll always know Your word will be the last word Man in all his wisdom And all his foolish pride his hope and only things he can see with his eyes and claiming to be wise they became as fools instead but Lord I'm banking all my faith in the truths of what you say
Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren podcast is listener supported. Check out patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. That's patron.podbean.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. Patrons and partners get free books, transcripts, special patron only episodes and more. And partners like you allow us to stay ad free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.